Everybody and welcome back to another edition of the POD Cast, your favorite podcast about new metal. This is episode number forty-eight. I'm John, and with me is a man who is from the South Town, and you know that kid don't play. It's Brian Quinby. Hey, hey, hey! Fucking PODs back, baby. PODs back. The last POD ever, right? Probably. I don't think we're Do gonna they dip have into the. Album? Uh, oh yeah, they've, they're still Let's making records. They had one come out in 2022. 2022. Or no, okay. sorry. 2018 was their last one. 2018 circles. And but, they were uh, like, yeah. nobody wants to hear this. So we'll just kind of do the old. But song. I think they're still touring and stuff. Yeah. But they're. Yeah. I think they finished. I feel like, though, when I looked them up on Apple Music, they did have something come out in 2022. But maybe it was uh, maybe it was like an old thing. Hold on. Let me look here. Or like. a Oh, yeah. When Angels and Serpents Dance. Oh, it's remixed and remastered. So it's like an album from 2008 that for some reason they remixed and remastered. So that like, was what I was thinking would... was the album that came out in 2022. Why, Brian? I don't know. Because in 2008, recording was pretty good. You didn't really need to remix and remaster things in 2008, as far as I recall. So I'm very strange. At, I'm looking at uh, their upcoming gigs and they got three of them coming up they got uh-huh. rocklahoma which <gasps> hey if i was in a band like this and i got asked to do rocklahoma that would be a big deal for me because if you ever look at the rocklahoma like lineups that is really like the pinnacle it's like being asked on the tonight show for rock <laughs> okay so that's good. i mean maybe even more you know so more people probably made watch rocklahoma yeah, more people probably watch Rocklahoma than Jimmy Fallon or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, no, no, Rocklahoma twenty twenty three. Like, listen to the. I'll, I'll get you the. I'll get. So we got we got. Oh my God! You click the link and it takes you to a POD page. You got Godsmack. Uh huh. You got Pantera. Oh okay. Which isn't really Pantera, but you know I wouldn't. No, yeah, because it's just Phil now, right? It's not any of. Oh, and Rex, okay. It's not the Abbott Brothers, which is kind of like, mm, kind of part of it. Rob yeah. Zombie, Limp Biscuit, Bush, Chevelle. I'm going to start reading. I'm going to read all the okay. people that are billed higher than POD. Okay. And then a few that are Chevelle's higher that than POD. Right? That's surprising to me. Yeah. Corey Taylor. Daughtry. Oh, God. Theory of a Dead Man. Sure. Ministry. Uh, What is it? Asking Alexandra. Code Orange, Guar, Mammoth WVN, POD. Okay. Directly after POD, you got your Atreyu. Sure. You got Skid Row and Buck Cherry and Warrant and LA Guns. So, like, Rocklahoma is a three day event where they have like 80s rockers, new metal guys, and like, you know, even some of the grunge. People like Daughtry's grunge, in my opinion. I know it sounds crazy, but uh, they just they're grungy. Limp Biscuit is Saturday, 
and and Sunday Pantera and Rob Zombie. So POD is billed lower than a lot of bands. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, that's okay. crazy to me. I would not have put some of those bands above POD. I would have thought POD would have sold more than a lot of those bands you you listed. Here's some wild shit right here. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw at you. You might not care that much, but the kickoff party, which and wrestling is like less important than the show. You know, when you do the kickoff, it's mm-hmm. like they're trying to talk you into buying a pay per view. The kickoff party for Rocklahoma is Warrant. L.A. Guns, the Bullet Boys, and Voodoo Moonshine. So their build lo- warrant sure. build lower than P.O.D., which I would say warrant higher than P.O.D. And also they got the Miss Rocklahoma pageant, which I'm sure is great. I'm I would love oh to see the that. Miss Rocklahoma. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> now we're ta- now you have my attention. <laughs> that is uh, okay. Let me see if I can look some of this up. Miss Rock I'm- Rocklahoma. I want to see who it's like. Oh, whoa. This is really special. Cam, looking it up. uh, This is from Miss Rocklahoma 2019. And then, yeah, they do like there's like a sash, a bouquet of flowers. It's definitely like a like a suicide girls kind of adjacent sort of beauty pageant. Uh, I wonder what they do. This is really fucking funny. Holy hell. Miss Rocklahoma is is incredible. So I'm finding this on Facebook. Oh, here we go. These are the signups uh, to see. Oh, it says page not found, but it said, oh, Miss Rocklahoma. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Oh, whoa. I'm seeing some of the past winners. Okay. Wow. Aaron in 2009 is not what I would have expected. Not kind of like suicide girlish. Ooh, even Chelsea no, in 2013. Some of, are- some of them are sort of like more traditionally attractive. Like, I wonder if they were like actual beauty pageant girls when they were kids and they're like oh this is like a thing that i could win i think Um, the thing i wonder the thing i'm wondering is like what are the talents and skills like what are the beauty pageant yeah because i'm looking on facebook this is from 2012 it just says do you have what it takes to be miss rocklahoma we are looking for the perfect woman that embodies rock and roll to represent us all weekend long. Hell yeah. Go to the sign up to register yourself for the annual contest. But I'm trying to, yeah, like I agree. Like, is there a way that we can see what this means? Oh, here we go. Let's see if this has any, uh, any, this is like a news website. Uh, no, there's no, like, do they do like, is uh, my the talent, like is... you're trying to figure out like, what is the, Oh, here we yeah. go. I'm on, I'm on rockandhog.com. Oh, I love uh, hog. This is the application. Okay, yeah, here we go. So it says, calling all fierce, passionate rock and roll queens. The moment you've been waiting for has arrived. Miss Rocklahoma, the prestigious beauty pageant that celebrates the power and spirit of rock music, is thrilled to announce applications for Miss Rocklahoma 2023 are now open. Prepare to set the stage ablaze and showcase your rock and roll prowess like never before. Miss Rocklahoma isn't your ordinary beauty pageant. It's a platform for the women who embody the heart and soul of rock and roll. Are you a powerhouse vocalist, a mesmerizing guitarist, or a captivating performer? This is your opportunity to let your talent shine and join the ranks of legendary rock queens. Uh, It says, you complete the online application, tell us your rock and roll story, demonstrate your talent, and let us witness your undeniable passion for the music that fuels our soul. 
The chosen participants will have the exhilarating opportunity to perform in front of thousands of dedicated rock music enthusiasts at the renowned Rocklahoma Festival. Surrounded by the electrifying atmosphere and renowned rock acts, Miss Rocklahoma 2023 will represent the rebellious spirit and raw energy of rock and roll, captivating the crowd with her undeniable presence. Nice. Um, well, I mean, I guess good. there is like a talent because I was really worried that it was like, but the thing I was most worried about is this like a wet t-shirt contest yes, sort of situation. Sure. It doesn't seem like that's what it is. I mean, uh, I'm going to guess that if it's like uh, guys who are attending a rock festival headlined by Godsmack in the year 2023, I'm going to go ahead and guess there is a little bit of disrespect shown to these women by some of the people in the crowd. I'm just going to I'm going to guess that that's probably I will guess happening. they probably get stuff thrown at them and shit. I'm looking to see POD is this is maybe their first Rocklahoma. Oh, wow. sure. So now I'm looking at big moment for past them. thing. 2017. I love the, the my favorite thing about Rocklahoma. Number one is the name, but number two is yeah, the, name's the perfect. slogan. The slogan: Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Rock. So, <laughs> what more could you want? Beautiful Eddie Rocklahoma. Trunk, Eddie Trunk hosts all of them. Oh <laughs> God, so we good. love Eddie Trunk. It's oh, uh, yeah. Doesn't? In case you haven't uh, picked up on this yet, we are covering PODs, the fundamental elements of Southtown this month. We haven't covered their the namesake band of this podcast. We've only covered them once before, all the way back in episode nine. We covered Satellite. And I agree with you, Brian. I do think that there's a good chance this is the last time we see POD on this show, at least as like a full album coverage, probably. Yeah. So they've played Rocklahoma twice. I, I Again, this is like, I think playing this tour is like the thing it's like you want to be invited to this because it seems like this is the one that leads you to the other ones because really what goes on every year is it's a traveling tour of all of the same bands even when you look at like Coachella and Bonnaroo it's like okay so it's basically all of the same bands are playing both of these things with maybe sure. one difference, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like and Steve, uh, like, you know, Steve from Pup, you had him on Guys, and he's also been a guest on our show. He was, uh, he was saying that, like, yeah, he's, he's awesome, but he was saying that... Um, that like that is kind of how they plan their releases too. like a lot of bands will put out records in the like late fall winter so that by the time the sort of festival season rolls around, they play all those festivals and then th and then they do their own tour. So the next year they miss most of those festivals. They'll play smaller ones. Like this year is the second summer after Pups, uh, the unraveling of Pup the Band, which was their last record. This is the second summer. So they're playing like little, they're playing Oceaga here in Canada, which is not little, but like they just played a thing in Denver. Like I know they're doing some, some festivals, but yeah, it's usually not your big, your Coachella, Bonnaroo, Lollapalooza, stuff like that. It's like you save that for... You know, you put out your album at a certain time of year so that you're kind of locked and loaded to play all those big festivals. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I So, yeah, people like I, I think also that like a lot of the bands are it's more of a like we get to go hang out with our friends thing than it is, uh, you know, something that they want to do because. Because playing these shows sucks. I mean, it doesn't. It sucks for the audience, right? Like, going oh, festivals to, are terrible. Yeah, one of these festivals is like it. 
it, it sucks shit if you're in the audience. I've been to so many of them and have never enjoyed myself and, and always wanted to leave. You know, um, it's just too much. It's too much. Like, and maybe it's because I'm sober, uh, but like, it's just too much. And even like, I've been to like indie rock festivals. So it's not like you're being pummeled by like loud rock music all day. Like I've been to Sasquatch a couple times. I only ever went for one day. I've never actually camped, but like I've been down to, to the, to the gorge for Sasquatch. And then BC has had a few festivals. Pemberton had a festival a couple years. Squamish had a festival a couple years. It's just too much. It's just too much music. There's too much going on. I don't know. Like the people who have the appetite to do it for three days and camp and ever it's like, God. Yeah. I think, I guess you're just drunk or high the whole time and that's how you no. get through it. But like, because that I, I guess like we would go to Ozfest every year. My brother. Yeah. I would, went to warp tour all the time. My brother would start drinking when he got out of bed. And then basically just sleep at the venue most of the day. He'd be so drunk. He'd get up at 9 o'clock in the morning, start fucking drinking. Show starts at noon or 1. By the time he gets to the venue, it's like, fuck, I'm tired. And then he would just lay down in the grass and sleep for like 90% of the day. And then wake up near the end and be like, oh, yeah, man. Like, get all excited, you know? So it's it it is like I think when you talk about people getting drunk and and stuff like that that's true but those people are probably actually more miserable than right. the ones that are like a really really drunk person is way more happy is way more miserable than me a guy who who you know maybe took a fucking little bit of shrooms or or some weed edibles like where it's just like I'm hot all these people are fucking annoying. Uh, it's it sucks, and then I don't even get to go to my bed at the end of the night. I got to go sleep on a fucking ground in a yeah. tent. And I'm looking at the Rocklahoma map, and they do have a huge campground, but they also have VIP camping. Yeah, so they have quiet hours too. Yeah, some of them do will, will do like yurts or whatever. Like you can you can rent a yurt or something and yeah, they do it that okay. way, which even then I wouldn't like it, I don't think. But like even if, I, I just can't even imagine going to a festival three days in a row. Like no, it I, and that's like if I was staying in a five star hotel at night that was like five minutes from the venue. Like let's say it's like the best case scenario. I've got this like gorgeous hotel and it's right by the venue. I can walk out of the venue and walk to this hotel. I'm still, it's still bad for me. I still couldn't make it to day three. It's too much music. It's too much stimulation. It's just a lot. I, and, and like, you're not seeing the best of these bands, you know, no. they're using other people's gear. It's not their stage setup. It's not their stage show. Chances are good. They just got there. Like I know a lot of these schedules, like just from having friends and bands, a lot of it is like, okay, we play at 3 PM. We're going to fly in that morning uh, spend all of our time getting to the venue. Sometimes we get to the venue like 30 minutes before we have to play. Then we play and then we fly out that day. Like it's not, you're never getting the best of a band in that situation. Like it just, so yeah, I I've never really understood it uh, at all. It, it, it's like, so I'm looking at the VIP, the, the Rocklahoma glamping, package okay yeah let's glam 
And this is this is before you actually have to buy the tickets for the show, I believe. And then you can buy the camping thing. It's about two thousand dollars. Whoa! Uh, it's eighteen ninety nine four person. And that doesn't include rock- your that doesn't include your ticket. That's what I'm looking into. It says these fully outfitted. Here's what they give you: each headline and glamping package tent comes outfitted with mattresses on a platform bed. On a platform, bed frames, bedding and pillows, portable air conditioner, 8,000 BTU, power strip, rugs, side table, lantern, doormat, door frame, okay, <laughs> string lighting, and two camp chairs, two beds, two full beds, sleeps four, and a five-meter bell tent. So, and the overview is that you basically, uh, okay, so you do get in, but you're paying two, oh, wait, oh, here it is. You're a rock star, a headliner. Get ready to camp like one. Your home for the weekend is a sturdy canvas bell tent complete with campsite setup and breakdown. Festival wristbands are not included in this package and are required. So, yo, so it's like another, so you're paying $600 a night. To stay yes. in to stay in this tent with a bed in hell in hell. In hell. <laughs> Listen, I'll say this: the people they say they have quiet hours between four a.m. and eight a.m. That is just not enforceable. At a and it's also like not long enough. That's not no, <laughs> like no. when you're telling when you're advertising quiet hours to me. I'm hearing like midnight to eight a.m. I'm not here. Four a.m. to eight a.m. is not. That's nothing. That's not. That means nothing to me. <laughs> what yeah, are we talking about? You just can't stop people. Oh, there's even more stuff you can buy. You can oh buy private restroom rentals for hundred and fifty bucks. Private restroom service. That's on top of the eighteen ninety nine. You don't yes. get you don't get a private restroom at eighteen ninety nine. No, you get an RV waste pump for fifty more dollars. Uh, you can fill your RV with water for fifty bucks. Inflatable swimming pool includes water one hundred dollars. Pool fill fifty dollars. <laughs> See, you pay one hundred and fifty dollars for a pool, and you know the, it's just. I would love to have the money or figure out a way to do one of these things on a full-on VIP, on like a full-on VIP thing, right? And see how miserable it still is on on even with the most luxury you can possibly get, you know? Because you're not even, like I would have thought if you're like a camping VIP or whatever... That you would also get a VIP ticket because usually at these festivals, if you have a VIP ticket, you get to watch from like a separate area. There's usually like some kind of luxury area to watch the shows. That's where I could maybe see myself not hating it. Like I still wouldn't think it's as good as seeing any of the bands on their own tour, but you might get me in the door for that where it's like, Oh, you've got this raised platform. You have a great view of the stage. It's, you know, we only sell a hundred tickets in here or whatever. So it's not that crowded. You can come and go as you please. You have your own private washrooms in that area, whatever. Then maybe we're talking a scenario that I could sort of get into, but the fact that you're 600 plus dollars a night camping experience does not include any VIP privileges or even a ticket into the grounds is no. 
fucking bananas to me. I wonder yeah. what the Coachella VIP experience is. It must be Way like a million. It must be like a million dollars. Yeah. Well, and and, and and I think Coachella, the VIP experience is probably pretty nice because of the people that go to Coachella. I think the real test of a VIP experience with with price is no object is Rocklahoma because right. how we treat the least of us <laughs> is the measure of a society. <laughs> like I would... <laughs> Sure, I would yeah. go to Rocklahoma over over uh, Coachella. You know what I mean? Like I would prefer Rocklahoma to Coachella, but I would also feel like, I mean, just being a guy that's been to a lot of metal concerts. I mean, people, the people that put the shows on hate the audience of metal shows more than probably the average group of uh, people. So, Rocklahoma. Maybe oh my one God. day I'll save some money and I'll get a VIP pass to Rocklahoma next year and I'll report back on what they were like. Well, yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at Coachella here. This this is pretty special stuff. Okay. So the, do you want me to just skip right to the most expensive one? Yes. Okay. That's what I did. So it is $9,000. Uh, it's called Safari Camping. Uh, so you get... And it's for two. So it's 9000 for two. So 4500 for one person. You get a four-night stay in a fully furnished, air-conditioned, shikar-style tent tucked behind the venue on the safari campground. You get a pair of Coachella guest passes, including access to all venue VIP areas and shared guest viewing areas at most stages. Golf cart transportation between stages and the campsite, private air-conditioned restrooms and showers, private adjacent parking, and 24-hour campground security. So, like, honestly, 4500 for that, that's not terrible, in my opinion. Four nights, plus it includes VIP passes to the festival. The VIP passes to the festival alone are uh, 1269 Yeah. I mean, the so problem you're, so, with... So you're basically getting you're paying three thousand dollars essentially for four nights of deluxe camping. Um, but then the other thing that's crazy too, this to me is the stupidest thing they offer. They have a full course dinner offered in their VIP Rose Garden, and it costs three hundred and fifty dollars. And it's like <laughs> during the festival, so you're like gonna miss bands to go to this dinner. It's you get it's three hundred and fifty bucks. You get access to the VIP Rose Garden for the entire day of your dinner. Festival pass required for entry, so it's separate from your pass. Each night sold separately. Welcome cocktail, beer, and wine included. Seating at 6 p.m. More details to come. So, like, this is for when you're the type of, like, rich person that wants to go to Coachella but isn't actually interested in the music. Like, 6 p.m. is about when the big bands start to play. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to miss, like, basically a whole night of the festival to have, like, a dinner in a garden on, on the grounds of this festival. It sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, and it's funny because, yeah, I, I, I would think also that if I had any of these VIP passes, I would miss all the bands because I'd be like, you know, it's of course you would over there with the air conditioning and stuff. Totally, you would. I mean, at least that's what I'm saying though. Like, at least with the Coachella ones, you're getting 
uh, you're getting like the VIP concert experience as well. So like that kind of makes sense to me. But yeah, they have a similar um, price range if you want like just a a, a lodge. Uh, it's like better than Rocklahoma. It's uh, thirty two hundred dollars for two. So $1,600 a person, but that includes your festival passes. And then you also get a ready-to-go 8 by 12 by 8 wood lodge with a lockable door, three windows, and festival passes for two people. But it is on the regular, like, campground. Yeah. And it comes with a cot, a sleeping bag, and a pillow. The sleeping bags and pillows are yours to keep or donate to charity. Yeah. Okay. Well... Yeah, I don't know. I I just don't think even the B- VIP experience for me personally would th- overtake the entire experience because right. I really, really, really like being a VIP and staying in <laughs> VIP areas. It's one of my favorite. You're things. you're having a you're having the VIP Rose Garden dinner every night at three hundred and fifty dollars yeah. a night. <laughs> I missed all the bands because I yeah. was back here doing VIP stuff with all the VIPs. Yeah, People I was like, having dinner in the seen, Rose Garden. Yeah, have you yeah. seen anybody? I mean, listen, I I was in the the Coachella Valley like two days before Coachella, and. Uh, the weather was, it was very hot during the day and very cold at night. Yeah, so for sure. So I would just, I wouldn't be able to hang out. I would definitely have to be like, I would definitely have to be like in the VIP area most of the day. Agreed. Uh, okay, well, speaking of VIPs, let's talk about P-O-D. P-O-D. Nice. Yeah. Do you like that? Good transition. I love it. So we are covering the fundamental elements of Southtown, which is POD's major label debut album, but it is their third studio album. Uh, their previous two albums were called Snuff the Punk and cool. Bra- and Brown. <laughs> so Brown. Okay. Yeah, just Brown. So Snuff the Punk comes out in 94. Brown comes out in 96. And then P.O.D. signs to Atlantic Records and releases The Fundamental Elements of Southtown on August 24th, 1999. It was produced by Howard Benson, very well-known uh, producer in the new metal space, as well as the non-new metal space. He's, uh, he's done a bunch of stuff. Uh, but yeah, most of his uh, rock stuff, he's done work with My Chemical Romance, Three Days Grace, Daughtry. Uh, he produced uh, stuff for Crazy Town, Cold, Hoobastank, Flyleaf, Theory of a Dead Man, Seether, and then some more popular artists like Santana, Adam Lambert, Kelly Clarkson, etc. Uh, so they work with Howard Benson for their first studio album. The album did quite well. It is sold platinum. Uh, it went platinum, uh, I think, a few years after it was released, but it did go platinum. It peaked at number 51 on the Billboard 200 chart in April of 2000. So it took them like eight months uh, to hit their peak. It was the 143rd best-selling album of 2000 in the United States. It begat two singles, Southtown, which came out in February 2000, predating the album, and then Rock the Party Off the Hook, uh, which uh, Rock the Party was uh, was retired on Total Request Live. So uh, one of their bigger songs, which is weird because I feel like I really didn't know that song before 
um, or sorry, not retired. It went to number one on Total Request Live. Uh, they also had a song, School of Hard Knocks, featured on the soundtrack for Little Nicky uh, right around this time, even well, though that is I've not read that's problematic. Well, and we're going to get to that. Yes. But that, <laughs> that song is not actually on Fundamental Elements of Southtown, but was recorded during those sessions. Uh, so yeah, Southtown did quite well. Uh, it was, uh, you know, one of their, one of their bigger singles. It peaked at number 31 on the mainstream rock tracks chart and number 28 on the modern rock tracks chart. And then rock the party Southtown peaked at 25 and 27 on those charts respectively. Uh, this album also won the San Diego music award for album of the year and song of the year. Uh, Damn, so yeah, one of lucky. their, I know. I know, crazy, right? So yeah, one I of their uh, the Ohio Music Award. You probably could, man. I mean, I'm looking well, that Ohio, up right now. You and you and Mushroom had to be in in big competition for uh, for that award. But yes, uh, obviously, was the album that kind of launched POD. Satellite became their bigger album. We've already covered that one on the show. But Fundamental Elements of Southtown, their major label debut. Brian, can you tell me about your history with POD? Uh, and, and more specifically about the fundamental elements of Southtown. Do you remember, uh, them in 1999? Do you remember getting into them around this time at all? Well, yes, I do. Actually, <laughs> I saw them in concert. Oh, there we go. Times. Uh, was not a good audience member for it, <laughs> but I would say the first time I saw them, uh, I had already learned they were Christian which oh, right. just fucks the whole thing up for them. You know what I mean? Because I was, you know, we'll talk about some of this stuff later, but I I really liked, like, Satan stuff. Like, that was, like, kind of... <laughs> That's kind of your whole like, thing. Well, and, yeah, and, and like, when you say, oh, you know, say, like, uh, this guy, he, he likes, like, uh, uh, Satan... And it sounds like I'm like a libertarian or something. I wasn't even that. Like, I literally liked Satan. Like, I, it wasn't that whole, like, Satan's not real. It's just, you know, Satanism is the opposite of Christianity sort of thing. No, I liked Satan as in Satan, the guy. And uh, anytime a band was Christian, <laughs> it was just like, I'm fucking out of here, man. I can't do this. I can't do it. That, a funny thing is I remember, and this happened a few times growing up. My brother would find a radio station, would be flipping through radio stations, and he would find just insanely heavy metal music on the radio and be like, holy shit, what in the hell is this stuff? This is great. And we would just be sitting there like listening to song after song of this, like the heaviest stuff you've ever heard on the radio. And then they would be like, uh, hey, praise the Lord. You know, the DJ would come on and he'd be praising Jesus and stuff like that. And it's like, wait, this is Christian music. It actually sucks. <laughs> and we would get all like mad that we got get it off of here. You're like pressing the dial on the radio. <laughs> ah, ah, turn it off. Yeah, and we would we would just get mad. I mean, I'm John. When I, I I got in trouble a few times in high school for in art classes making satanic art. Like I I would they would have my parents come in and talk to me like, is he really satanic? And and then they come, are you really satanic? And I'd be like. I don't know, actually, to tell you the truth. I just, I think it's funny. <laughs> I don't really know what being satanic means, but if <laughs> yeah. I did know, then yes, I am. <laughs> I think it's just very funny to freak the teachers out. Yeah, you know? it's very funny to say I am a worshiper of Satan. I'm one of the devil's <laughs> army. 
Yes, come get, come get me. Yeah. It was like the edgelord thing to do when I was a kid. Oh, and like yeah. that was me. And then like uh you just couldn't even accept like I have this like when you find out a band's Christian, they're like totally different than you were you they were before. Like it changes everything. When you find that out, you know, where you're like, wait a minute, now I got to start looking at this. Is this all corny stuff? And uh, with BOD, it turns out it is all very corny stuff. It is quite corny. Well, I, I just want to read before I get into my experience with POD. I apologize for not reading this earlier, uh, but this is extremely funny. So the article that this interview comes from is blocked by my uh, virus blocker, so I can't actually read it. But on the Wikipedia page, they're talking about their previous, like before they blew up. And so this is, uh, pardon me, a great story. So apparently they released an album called Payable on Death Live as well. Ooh. <laughs> pardon me. So they released Snuff, The Punk, Brown, and then a live record. Which is like a common thing that you do when you're not a major label band as you release a live record. But anyway, longtime manager Tim Cook was first introduced to the band when he booked them to play his club, The Warehouse, in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, following strong local word of mouth support. He later described their performance by saying, I stood at the back of the venue with tears in my eyes. It was the greatest thing I had ever seen. Uh, which if you own a rock club and POD is the greatest thing you've ever seen, I don't know what's going on, but uh, apparently, uh, that is when cook took over as their manager because, uh, one of their band members love Bernardo, uh, his dad was their manager and he didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, and so Tim cook took over and then they go on to say shortly after the release of, and you'll love this quote, Bri, shortly after the release of Payable on Death Live, Essential Records offered POD a $100,000 recording contract. But on behalf of the band, Sandoval told band manager Tim Cook to decline the offer because, quote, God has a bigger plan for POD. That's cool. <laughs> I, can I also say, can I also say that yeah. I did see POD open for Primus. When I Whoa, that's was, a weird combo. Oh yeah, it was POD Limp Biscuit Primus. And uh <laughs> cool. The whole John, I'll tell you the whole time POD was on stage, we were pretending to be like Jesus on a cross and yelling <laughs> satanic stuff through the whole fucking anytime Brian. it even got quiet. We'd be standing in the we'd be standing in the pit like this. With our <laughs> arms like spread up and our legs like meant like oh, hey, you like that POD. So oh, very, no. very not nice. But you know what? It, it, that, they got to deal with that. They made the decision. Oh, I'm know? sure they dealt with that all the time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, it says that uh, in 1998, Atlantic Records A&R John Rubelli first came across POD's demo and he didn't quite get it. As he later oh, wow. told Hit Quarters, it was only when he saw them play live at the Roxy on the Sunset Strip that the band was quickly signed to Atlantic. It, uh, so, yeah, so they get signed. And I'll say, like, for me, I want to say that, like, I don't I guess I would have been familiar with the song Southtown. I think that, like. I must have known it before Satellite came out, but I definitely became a much bigger POD fan with Satellite. I'm sure I talked about that on the Satellite episode. Like, I loved a lot, like, all the singles on that record I really liked. And so I think I probably would have gone back 
to this, but I'm guessing like it came out in 99. I was a pretty big new metal fan at that time. So I probably would have heard it on much music. Um, but yeah, I remember feeling like knowing Southtown was like cool. Like it was cool to know yeah. that song because it was like, you know, alive and satellite and youth of the nation are like blowing up. And I remember putting Southtown on like burned like mixed CDs to be like, yeah, but this is original POD, man. It's fucking cool. And I don't think them being Christian would have affected me that much. I mean, I was younger and also was raised Christian. So it's not like, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't super strict. Like I, it was not a strict Christian or Catholic upbringing by any means, but my mom did take us to church a little bit when we were younger. And, um, yeah, I think I just always had Christian music in my life at points. Like I, I liked jars of clay. And then I think I've told the story on the show before where I had one friend who was super Christian, like his family was very devout Christian. And when he found out that there was some Christian band I liked called audio adrenaline, he just every year for my birthday bought me one of their CDs. I didn't that's really, nice. I just heard them at church camp one time and I was like, Oh yeah, those guys, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Like rock music. And then he just bought it for me. And then I reviewed it on a Christian rock podcast and it's so fucking bad. I can't believe I ever liked it. But anyway, I don't think them being Christian would have bugged me. And I also think like, at least in Canada, I've talked about this before, but we didn't have like, we didn't have MTV. We didn't have these sort of outlets for these bands. Like new metal was big and like Limp Bizkit and Corn and POD and stuff like that would get played on much music, but they weren't, it wasn't like ubiquitous. It wasn't like they were on TRL. It wasn't like the band was showing up on these big things. So I might not have even known that POD was Christian. Like we just didn't really get that kind of backstory and you didn't really have the internet. I mean, we would have had the internet, but not in a way where you're looking up like, Whoa, they're Christian or whatever. Like it just, that just wouldn't have really come across to me. I just would have saw them on much music and assumed they were like a regular new metal band, like any other new metal band I was hearing. Yeah. I mean, I remember hearing South seeing the video for South town. Like I, I definitely remember seeing the video and being like, "This it's a cool, rules. yeah, it's a cool video." Yeah, but then you know, again, you, you fucking find out after that. Like you find out a little later, it's like, oh, uh, never mind. Like uh, they they are square, and that's the real problem. Is it's like the squareness of being a Christian band sort of feels to me like uh, uh, against what. I was looking for in this type of music. So that's one of the other reasons I went away. I will say that I, I, I am willing, I'm more going to be more generous as the review goes on because I mean, I, I kind of like the album a little, it's weird. It's like, I like 60% of the album. I think I, there's some stuff I don't like. There is a, a, uh, historically bad song on here. Uh, one of the songs that I just I can't stand, and it, it reminds me of Reggae Jam. Yeah, uh, I think but, I know the one you're talking about, the one with uh, oh, Zion in the uh, yeah. set, set your, your eyes, eyes to Zion. Zion, oh. fucking dude, they love the to first, talk like, about Zion. They're like, like Sonny loves the fucking Zion. He's all about that shit. I think the first like four songs are like really good. Like mm -hmm. it, the the opening's funny. Uh, I'm actually looking for the transcript of the opening because that 
Greetings. Uh, greetings. Yes, is very fun. It's also just extremely funny. This to- album is annoying in that way, in that it definitely came out in the interstitial period, where it was like every album had to have all these little voicemails and interstitial instrumentals and like it's very much like a Limp Biscuit album in that way I feel like I forgot that about Limp Biscuit, and then the more that I've listened to them as we've done this podcast it's like ah oh god every Limp Biscuit album has these really annoying like outros yeah. on half the songs and I'm like Jesus Christ like let's move on in in the case of this record there's separate tracks like check in levels like it's literally like in the studio just like a studio clip of them being like sunny you got to talk into the microphone we need to check your levels and there's like some sort of like instrumental breakbeat like playing in the background it's like oh my god guys who's this for what why did we decide that this was like a cool thing you had to do on your records yeah i i don't i don't have any of the uh i don't know why i think they just didn't want that that silence between songs which for people that listen to guys, the episode with Steven Sykowski, the prog rock guys, we found out that a lot of the prog rock guys uh, don't like in the uh, deluxe editions for albums. They get very mad if there's not like 10 seconds of silence between the last song and then the demo songs <laughs> like it infuriate that there's a guy that wrote a whole long screed against the bonus bonus songs and it's like why don't you just stop the cd wait wait brian are you telling me a prog rock guy wrote a long screed online no that is so funny (laughs) they're so funny looking at a bunch of guys who the the band that you would it would it would be like if a new metal guy was like corn fucking sucks because they all don't think rush is prog and it's like, bro, you just gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you know, you gotta let Rush be prog. It's the only band that anybody knows for you people. Yeah. I, I do. So let me read these lyrics for greetings. Okay. Uh, I am also the only viewer to ever look at this. It says <laughs> one viewer on Genius. I don't know if that's currently how many people are looking at it, but it says August twenty fourth, nineteen ninety nine. One viewer. Uh, greetings. <laughs> Redrains and cistrains. I don't know what that means. I uh, no, have no idea. I thought they said brethren and cistrin. Like, I thought that's what they were saying when I heard it for some reason. The POD coming at you with the fundamental elements of this little place we call Southtown. We come to you with authority. We bring wisdom and power. That's what Christian bands always talk about wisdom. They always they are wisdom. just like, well, you, actually, you'll be getting a lot of wisdom from this album. And it's like always <laughs> the dumbest album of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. With, we, we bring wisdom and power. We strengthen might. So if you have eyes to see and you have ears to hear, I'll tell you this. You will understand what is true. So jaw people ride on. Jaw people ride on. For this is our reality. That is the first thing you hear. When you start, and this it's a album. major label debut album, like that. <laughs> it's so <laughs> corny, dude. Uh, what? This is probably one of the toughest questions I'll ever ask on this show. Which word do you think Sonny likes saying more, Jaw or Zion? I think so. It's Jaw, probably because <laughs> to me. It, I think Zion is just heaven, right? It's like a heavenly yeah. city or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Ja 
is God. They're both words, I think, that are used very, uh, what's the word? Very deliberately to not sound too Christian. If that, you know what I mean? Right. Like yep. Jah and yep. Zion can't, like a guy like me at that time growing up would have had no fucking idea what Jah or Zion meant, that, that it's God in heaven. And stuff. I would have never known that. And I think, you know, we talked about this with Evanescence. A lot of these bands were deliberately trying to hide this sort of thing. And it's probably because of guys like me. You know what I mean? It was like, as soon as I find out you're Christian, you suck. Like, immediately. For sure. No, you're probably right. I I think that's definitely it. And I also, like, that part of it is so strange, too. Because I'm guessing Sonny is of, like... Mexican descent, right? Sonny Sandoval yeah. sounds like, you know, probably Mexican American. So yeah, the idea that San he's Diego. Yeah, exactly. So sort of the Oh, here we go. He's born to a Chamorro Hawaiian mother and a Mexican Italian father. So he's Hawaiian and Mexican, which doesn't really lend itself to being cool to be doing Jamaican patois. Uh, but it definitely seems like on every POD album I've ever heard, there's at least some part of it where he's like, ah, I'm doing a whole song in Patois. Jaw is the guy. You were allowed to do that back in the day. Oh, like, for sure you were. I would have, have never no even thought how tw- much I did it. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, uh, yeah, it's really something special. I I think it's, uh, it's really, it's really interesting. I also didn't realize that, uh, he started a band with other like Christian people. Did you know this? Whosoever's? Yeah. 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 I, uh, I've been looking for it. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's incredible. A it's like outreach organization and product line co-founded by Sonny Sandoval and public speaker Ryan Rees. The group includes musicians and other alternative new metal bands such as Lacey Mosley of Flyleaf, as well as freestyle motocross athlete Ronnie Feist. Uh, and then also Head from Corn, obviously, is in it as well. And I believe it's Lacey Sturm. So this this uh, this uh, Wikipedia entry for head has not been uh, updated, but it just says Sandoval and Rees spoke publicly worldwide in settings such as schools, rehab centers, parks, conferences, and youth events, inspiring individuals who are eager to discover their purpose. Let me see if I can look uh, whosoever is they have like a website. Oh, they do. Okay. It looks like it's still going apparently. Um, oh yeah. Here you go. They've got a YouTube video on their uh on their website breaking we are living in a mental health crisis that's just like what the yeah. videos that's like what the thumbnail says i've looked at a lot of whosoever stuff for uh i did an episode of my show holy boys that tom sexton co-hosts with yeah. me yeah and uh we did an episode about like christian metal and like christian attempts to get to teenagers you know what i mean like and and i tried to look so much for like whosoever stuff but i i I wasn't able to get enough but i i spent a lot of time on the website because it is like it, it came off to me like it came off to me like they might be get because did you look at oh no that's this is a different thing so i want to read this from brian welch's wiki because i was on that page too yeah uh, I got to read this. I'm sorry to take it off track. Uh, no, go ahead. As early, here he goes. Uh, 
a number of demos from these early sessions from Save Me For Myself surfaced on peer-to-peer networks, among, among them A Cheap Name, a song de- directed at rapper 50 Cent. He also recorded several other songs, including Dream and A Letter to Dimebag. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> the latter being an instrumental tribute to Dimebag Daryl Abbott, guitarist for band Pantera and Damage Plan. Uh, and then he also did a song called A Song for Chi, which was for Chi right. Chang from yep. the Deftones when, when he was in the thing. In but, the coma, uh, yeah. Wow. That's... I was I I was I was thinking we're doing a Christian album now. I'm gonna put this in my list. Uh, Save me from myself in my list of like songs. I'm gonna put on the pull Boy, the whosoever's merch is really quite something. They've it seems like they've got two sort of slogans. One is pray hard. Uh, so it's just like a that's shirt cool. and it's got like pray hard and block letters. And then they've got ones that say thy will be done. Like from the Lord's Prayer, so pretty. Oh, I know. Pretty that cool. One. Their John, their shop is very extensive. Like it, they clearly are making a lot of money off of the merch. Doing good, uh, baby. I like oh, it. Oh boy, this is not. Uh, it's not good. Not not uh, cool. Not cool. Not cool. Yeah. Lacey well, Sturm you know. still listed as an ambassador. Uh, Brian Headwelch no longer. Um, but we've got Austin Carlisle. Tom they kicked him out. Tom, Tom Gills, uh, or Gills, former pro snowboarder. We've got Lexi Douglas, skateboarder. Jairus Hodges, also a skateboarder. And uh, Christina Boudreau, plus-size model, author, spoken word poet, and speaker. And then we've got Lacey and Sonny and, nice. and Ryan. It says there, there's like a form for booking. I should try to see if I can book them at my school. That would be but funny. Just like, but just like to see what they say. Like I, yeah. how much they charge and stuff because they probably. I mean, charge they got to charge a talk. lot, probably. Yeah, yeah. They, it has to be a decent amount of money because, you know, uh, there's a lot of like high dollar guys in the band. So for there, sure, uh, I I would say like I will say, and maybe this is just me, but like one thing that I always thought, and we've talked, we talk about this sort of factor on the show a lot, but I think one thing that maybe also would have helped me kind of gloss over POD's sort of Christianness is how cool Sonny is or looks like look he definitely he has a cool. no we I believe the last episode we said we would never want to go to a POD cast barbecue because Sonny was talking about how they love to have people over for barbecues and we were like yeah, oh no. god it'd be so lame but Sonny looks really fucking cool like he's got the dreads he's got the track suit in the boom video he's normally wearing like skater clothes he's a good looking guy like I feel like I wouldn't have really thought of them as being Christian because he just doesn't look like a guy you would think would be super Christian. He looks like a fucking cool new metal guy. So I think for me, I never probably even got to like, oh, these guys must be Christian because I just thought they looked so, so fucking cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, I thought they looked cool in the video, too. Like I said, everything about them until you find until i found out you know the message i liked i was like oh this is fucking great you know what i mean uh and then i just kind of turned on them which is funny because when i listen to this album again i like like the first four or five songs a lot and i even felt like um 
I even felt like when he raps, it's not all that bad. Like, you no, know it's how not hard bad. it is. You know how it's hard it is for these guys not to come off as corny when yeah. they're they're rapping. And that's just, especially, you know, new metal guys are all corny when they rap. And then also, this is a Christian new metal guy rapping. It's like, he, I like those songs. Those songs were such like a breath of fresh air. Uh other than like because the other stuff we've done recently we did do rage against the machine but it just feels like those songs were like this is fucking new metal this is like for sure the realest of real new metal music you know what i mean and and like it it really meets the sort of um what's the word it meets a lot of the requirements that you normally wouldn't have totally. got to totally got to hear and and like that's why i mean I can't like give this album. I can't give this album a bad review, but I also can't like be like I love this because there is it's this might be one of the more the the bad stuff is so bad and the good stuff is really fucking good and they're like they're so separate. It's crazy. I've never seen such high highs and such low lows. I think on any album we've done. Yeah, I think it's I think to go back to the rapping thing, I think Sonny just has a cool voice for rapping. So like if new metal raps are always going to be corny, you just want a guy that sound like he sounds like an MC. Like when he raps, yeah. he sounds, you know, now you know I'm from the streets where the kids all play. And like he just he has that cadence, he sounds good, like the timbre of his voice is good. He sounds like an MC. Like Southtown is a cool fucking song. And it's mostly because he just sounds cool on it. Like he it's you, you feel like, Oh shit. Maybe I don't want to go to Southtown. Maybe I'm going to get shanked if I go there. Like not me. He makes I was it like, sound- I'll go to Southtown any day of the week. I ain't afraid <laughs> yeah, well, of I'm, shit. I'm much weaker than you. So, yeah, uh, but I that was definitely, <laughs> that was definitely cool to me. And then I think you're right. Like, I think this album seems like POD is sort of at war with themselves. Almost like it's this strange, it's a strange thing where they have some really good instincts and they're making really good music. That's interesting. And then they just have some really bad instincts. Yeah. And obviously like the interstitials are bad. Some of the God stuff is bad. The doing like a whole sort of reggae patois song is bad. Although I will say such rise to Zion, the outro is pretty good. It kind Dislike of switches to this. It's not a I good song. It. But the outro, it switches to this kind of like slinky, sort of like atmospheric outro that I think is good. The rest of the song is not good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Set your eyes to Zion in like a patois. Nobody's nobody likes that. Um, But yeah, it's it, it just yeah, it has some really bad instincts. And I think. POD songs sound the same. Like they kind of sound really a lot the same. Like to me, this is, this is sort of like a soundtrack. It's really back diving. Um, Like I think bullet, the blue sky, the cover is actually quite good. I was like shocked when I saw that, like when bullet, the blue sky came up on my, uh, on my iPhone, I'm like, Oh my God, are they going to cover you too? Oh, this is not going to be good. And it was quite good, I would actually say. I was shocked at how sort of competent that cover was. But then you get into that end of the album run, basically from like image, tribal, freestyle, follow me, outcast, 
They all sound the same. Like it's all very wall of sound. The guitars are very do 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 da 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 do 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 da 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 do 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 da 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 do do do. Like that's kind of what they're doing in Southtown too. But they, it is a very like wall of sound kind of noise that makes the song sound very similar. I would say. I'm also surprised the production on this album is a little strange to me. The vocals are very high in the mix for a new metal album. And maybe that's because they wanted like Sonny's rapping to sort of stand out as like a, he's an MC. And like, when you hear a rap album, obviously the vocals are mixed very high because you want to hear what the rapper is saying. But for a new metal record, I was very surprised. The vocals are very forward in the mix on this. And, um, I think that that also lends itself to a bit more of a sort of samey kind of sound because it's sort of like every song, it just feels like, oh, I'm just getting bombarded by Sonny over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I I th- I actually was looking up settings on how to fix the sound on this. I was like, this sounds really bad. So then I went over and listened to like a second of a podcast and I was like, this sounds really good. And then I would yeah. go back on and listen to this, and I'm like, I don't know. I changed so many settings on my phone that I'm sure everything sounds fucked up now. But, it, yeah, it sounds very bad. And I would say, because I, I, you know how I take, I take notes, like, as I'm doing the, the thing. And, and I have the opening is funny. Uh, Hollywood is very good. Like, welcome to Hollywood. I kind of like that song. And another thing. <laughs> is if I don't like an album, I listen to it once and move on. And then that's why I take notes when I listen, because the other option is I just listen to it over and over again so I don't need notes, and I just know it. And this album, I actually listened to four times, which is way more than I generally would listen to something. And like uh, I liked almost all of it, and... The minute we get to set your eyes to Zion, uh, it it just it falls off a fucking cliff so bad, man. That freestyle. Uh, first of all, I do wonder if freestyle is actually a freestyle. That was something. I don't think so. I don't. You think don't so. think so? No, because the song yeah. doesn't even have that much rapping in it. Like it's it's actually more sung than a lot of the other songs are. So to, so I don't know. So I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was just more of a like we're a freestyle group of dudes, you know. We just we're freestyling and profiling. Well, I kind of felt like, and and this is the note I took. It says, "Do we think freestyle is actually a freestyle?" And that begs the question: Are these the best new metal rappers? Which I think maybe they are the best new metal rappers. Um, I don't like what they sing about. I think what they sing about is kind of corny and stuff. But I would say. I can't think of somebody who's better than at rapping than them, like in, in a very serious way. You could say you like Limp Biscuits raps better, but I mean, yeah, they're not they're not technically good raps. These ones, I think, I are mean, I guess Rage Rage Against good. the Machine. You would say sure. if you're counting them as a new metal band, they're definitely better at rapping. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to think of a band that is fully in, you know, post corn first album is there a band that raps better than pod and i'm yeah thinking, no 
Yeah, Maybe. you might you might be right. I mean, I'm looking at all the albums we've covered on the show. Oh, I said P.O.D. was episode nine. It was episode seven. My apologies. Linkin Park. You know yeah, Linkin Park. Like, yeah. But yeah. I, I still think Sonny's better. Sonny's than, a better rapper than Mike Shinoda, I think. Yeah, probably yeah. that's true. Yeah. yeah Mike Shinoda's raps are very never, basic. Yeah, I would have never thought that. You know, like that right. was the kind of thing that I was running either. through my head. If someone asked me who's the best rapper in new metal, the first thing that came to my mind would not be P.O.D. But then now that you've said it, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I can't. People are going to be really mad at us. People are going to be like, you guys are fucked up. Who's better? The thing I would want to hear is who's better, because when you look at bands that rap, I'm I'm like looking at. So Linkin Park, I will let you say, hey, Linkin Park's. Like Mike Chinoda is a better rapper. I, I will let you say that. It's fine. It's whatever. But that still puts POD at number two. And I'm not seeing, as I scroll through, I'm not like most, we've said this before, most new metal is not rapping. Like, no, a no, good, healthy portion of it has, has no rapping at all. Like 90% of it has no rapping. So now we're looking at this sort of like small group of people who who rap in their songs. And we're looking at Fred Durst, Mike Shinoda, and fucking P.O.D. And I'm sure there's other ones that like Holiday Kirk knows or something like that. But it just... (laughs) Yeah, I think there was like that, that crew of sort of like your 40 below summers and your like, you know... Those kind of bands, or Playmo, even when we listen to them, I mean that's rapping in French, but it is still rapping. Yes. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like I guess, yeah, if you count Rage as new metal, then I think obviously Zach De La Roca is the best. But if you don't count them as new metal, then yeah, you're right. Like a lot of what we would even say is like rap metal is it's more just like talking fast yeah. or like singing fast. Like System of a Down is an example. Like. No one would say Surge is rapping, but a lot of the verses are like kind of spoke sung at a very quick pace. But as far as a traditional like, I am rapping these songs. I mean, I guess if you count N.E.R.D. nerd, uh, you know, in search of, I mean, certainly Pharrell is a better rapper than Pharrell and Shay are better rappers than Sonny. But uh, but that's again, your mileage may vary on whether you think nerd is new metal. I mean, in search of to me is a new metal album, but, sure. but if you don't think that, then that's fine too. But yeah, you're right. As far as the like conventional bands we think of when we think of like guys in new metal who were trying to rap, I mean, yeah, Sonny's up there, but youth of the I mean, nation, Kid Rock. the rapping Kid- is really bad. <laughs> yeah. Kid, Kid Rock. What? In Kid youth Rock. of the nation. Like sometimes. I'm, Yes. Yeah. In earlier Deftone stuff, there's some rapping, but yeah, you but wouldn't call Deftone. You got yeah. Your, you know, there's a few of those that, what, like you could say, Chino raps, and then I would still say Sonny's probably better at rapping than than Chino. Yeah. I think that people who disagree with me will absolutely a hundred percent be just the Deftones are better than sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not talking which about is true. that. I That's definitely true. Agree with you on no that. one on earth thinks POD is better than the Deftones. Yeah. Uh, aside from, I I'm guess, like saying, Christian people, maybe. I don't <laughs> who know. Can't listen I, I to Deftones. don't fucking know about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. We're going to get into that shortly. But yeah. I'm, so you didn't like Bullet the Blue Sky. You love covers, Brian. You didn't like that? I didn't know it was a cover, first of all. So I don't know the regular song. Um, so oh, I guess okay. that, that, did, that does make me seem like a goof. But I, I don't like you too, 
You know, I actually yeah, just it doesn't really sound like word. doesn't sound like you two really, but yeah, to me, I agree that the album falls off a cliff. But for me, the cliff isn't until after Bullet the Blue Sky, not Set Your Eyes to Zion. Set Your Eyes to Zion is bad. I also think Hollywood is a good song, but the lyrics are really stupid. The lyrics are really like, Hollywood's going to chew you up and spit you out, man. I mean, that's like, every L.A. band. I know, but they're not even from L.A. They're from San Diego. Yeah, it's like a that's- strange... I don't know. That was funny to me. Like that's your, again, your sort of major label debut is like a song called greetings. And then a song called Hollywood where you're like, Hey, I got some news about Hollywood, some shady Hollywood. characters, some shady yeah, characters over bad, there. Man. You'll never be an actor if you go, but there. I agree. It's a good song. I don't know why it's five minutes and 20 seconds long, but it's a good song but because that's another fucking problem with this album. It's like, Some long songs on here. Well, and Southtown absolutely fucking rules. You know what I mean? Like Southtown. But why is there a long intro to it on this album? Like if Hollywood went straight into Southtown, that would be sick. But instead, there's like a weird, like slow interlude heading into Southtown where you're like, just do Hollywood into Southtown. That's fucking sick. That. That is perfect because there are two songs that sound roughly. There's two songs that are definitely by the same band is, is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, like, POD does just... have that schizophrenic thing where sometimes you hear a song and you're like, like Satellite more so than this one. Uh, but certainly, yeah, they have some songs where you're like, oh, okay, that's the same. Yeah, like Set Your Eyes to Zion is such a weird so interlude it's it so just bad. is it, it has reggae jam vibes and it is the most christian thing on the album up to that point it's that is when oh it, totally it, it starts to before that you know i don't know if anybody would have thought that, that but by that when that song comes on you're then looking at bullet the blue sky yeah. and then psalm 150 and you're like fully fucking in there man well that's the classic that's the classic thing right because you probably would have been like that too right if there was like uh you know some of your friends if you if you were like pod's fucking sick man and then someone's like they're christian you'd be like no they're not they're just like a yeah. rap metal band man they're like not even christian and then someone would be like do you know what zion means and you're like oh uh, yeah of course i know what zion means don't even I, of course I know. And it's it's not even religious. It's like a totally different thing. And then your friend's like, it means heaven. And then you're like, no, it, okay, no, it doesn't. I've, I've read about it and it doesn't even mean that, you know. But then, yeah, if you know, if you know, like, anything about Christianity or Rastafarianism, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, that's when you your argument kind of goes out the window. Someone just plays that for you, and you're like, okay, well, uh, yes, I, I, I suppose this, I suppose this is a religious song. I, I also need to say that this album has also one of the funniest song titles of any album that we've covered on this album. And it is Rock the Party, parentheses, <laughs> off the hook. Dude, sometimes when you me. rock like the, the party, it's off, it's off the hook, man. Sometimes when you rock like the party, the it gets off the hook. I like the song. And then it gets me thinking what a POD party looks like. And then, you know, that's where we ran into yeah. the problem with the satellite album. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would be off the hook, per se. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess, like, if you're moshing, 
that would seem off the hook. But it does feel like it's hard for things to get off the hook. You know what I mean? At a party with no booze or drugs. Although, yeah, it's a party with again. no booze or drugs, and you have to pray before you eat. Uh, it's not really a, it's not really an off the hook. hook. I can't get off the hook when I gotta if I want to eat a corn on the cob. I gotta pray first. I yeah, can't. I, I can't get into it's, that. It's just very hard for me to get off the hook right now. Yeah, guys, I'm that's, trying. Uh, that's on me. I'm trying that's to get off me. the hook. But I understand I'm about half on the hook right now. I'm I'm at least fifty percent on the hook. I I am so yeah. sorry, boys, but Zion is party Zion is calling me. It's really Rock funny. The party off the hook is such it's so and it's something that New Metal did a lot that I love, is that like for some reason all of their rap uh uh references are from like the 1980s instead of the 1990s which like you know you, you look at like 1990 the chronic comes out why isn't that what you're or or cypress hill which they did use a lot but but why are we doing like like uh like 80s rap that's like about that sounds like we play in bad skit ball or like songs <laughs> like that like why is rock the party rock the party off the hook is not something people said in, no in 1998 it was it's like it conjures up that's another one that conjures up like an image of like old rap and uh i don't know why they always pick that like it's that also funny era. that this song does start out with god reference like so the, the entire song is about a party and the party's sick and it's bumping and we're here all night and the cops are going to have to shut us down. But the first four lines are, he came here to rock this jam. Spread his love is the master plan. Let this light ignite like a star. Everybody in the party knows who we are. And then the literally the rest of the song is like, the rest of the verse is even, you got to get down, dance around, floss your style, POD guarantee, make it worth your while. Bad vibes, leave them at the door. Soul checking, house wrecking, keep them begging for more. We came to rock the party all night long, so party people, won't you sing that song and keep it live till the break of dawn, blah, blah, blah. But it's just very funny to call a song Rock the Party Off the Hook, and the first, the first four lines are like, we're just spreading Zion's love, man that's what this party's all about dude that's beautiful, beautiful to me yeah. <laughs> let's have a talk about it you know let's have a talk about it um okay let's move on uh did you have anything else to add about the music before we get to the articles no i don't think so i think like i said i i kind of liked it uh i liked it more than i would have thought i would have liked it me too and uh by the time it gets to tribal also like i just was checked out it, i'm like, checked out yeah. all the times i listened to it i checked out near the end where it was like for Jesus sure fucking christ because you know what's coming they sound exactly the same the lyrics are bad i love the outcast lyric of like i'm an outcast but you can't cast me out or something like that and you're like oh, that's cool you're like oh jesus christ you know um but yeah so that was you're right it, it definitely I, I i will say i think just because satellite was so uneven but like uneven not even in terms of the quality of songs which it is that but also just like they were trying to do a bunch of different things like we said there was sort of like some reggae songs there were some sort of like jam band type songs they had like youth of the nation which was almost more like a pop song kind of like a lincoln parky kind of thing but then they had alive and satellite which sound like this album like they were really all over the place whereas i was sort of surprised 
this one is way more cohesive. Like this one was really much more uh, cohesive as a sort of unit and as an album than the other stuff we've covered from POD, which I, which I was surprised by. I sort of thought that that was just their MO that they kind of did a bunch of different things. And that's what this record was going to be like. And I was sort of surprised at how consistent um, I thought this record was, even though, yeah, Yeah. it it definitely falls off towards the back half, but at least they're kind of doing the same thing uh, the whole time. So we've got a couple articles to dig into now. Uh, I, I randomly, it was very hard to find articles about this record. It seems like a lot of people were not really talking to POD in 1999. So I did find two articles that are two of the most insane articles we've ever covered on the show. But before we get there, let's talk about, I got two articles here. One from MTV. This one is from Terry Van Horn, September 3rd, 1999. And the article is titled Best of 99, Rock Apostles. Great way of describing them. Rock Apostles POD play hard and holy on their major label debut. And then the other article kind of folds in with the other two we're going to end up talking about. But just that the uh, the uh, their album was censored. Their album cover was censored uh, because Americans Christian uh, America's Christian bookstores... Uh, said, we can't sell this here. 85% of America's Christian bookstores said, no, we are not going to sell this record there. And POD, they took the Evanescence route. Uh, you know, they said, uh, this is first from the, the uh, um, well, here's the reason. It says, uh, POD have had their new album, Payable on Death, banned by 85% of America's Christian bookshops because of its controversial cover art, which depicts a naked woman with butterfly wings, her arms crossed over her breasts, and a banner with the word sanctus, a Latin word for the sung part of the preface and mass across her nether region. So this is from a different record. However, they did also censor the cover for Fundamental Elements of Southtown, which has a sort of like uh, almost like a Buddhist, like praying figure on the front of it. And they just focus on that for the censored version. Cause then there's some like other stuff around it that I guess is controversial. And basically POD said, fuck you stop selling our, our album then. So yeah. It. Yeah. Fuck it. Well, 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 what's the word we're going to uh, boycott you motherfucker. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Yeah. It said, but they did end up, Kowtowing. It said to counteract the measure from the Christian retailers, POD in a mass email have urged fans to participate in a boycott against the Christian retailers, encouraging fans to stay away from Christian stores that are not carrying the album. Cover art on an earlier POD album, The Fundamental Elements of Southtown, was also banned, to which retailers asked the group to change the artwork, and POD chose a solid black cover instead for the records released in Christian bookstores. So they 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 got fucked up a little bit by the by the Christians, but yeah. Let's the MTV article, Brian. Did you have anything from there? Just the wait. Where's that? I got it. Love and guitarist Marcos Curiel jammed together in a thrash band before Sandoval and bassist Trey joined them to form POD in 1992. Love and Marcos would be playing these crazy parties, and right in the middle, when all these people were drunk and crazy, they would take a minute to talk to them about God. Sandoval said, "I really respected that. That would be the worst in the fucking world. <laughs> Ugh! Don't do that. That makes everything suck." You fucking ruined the party. Yeah, I that would be very, very funny. 
I agree. Uh, very funny. I also like the beginning. This is, we talked about this when we covered satellite, but I do love that they kind of, that this is what they sort of thought their music was doing. POD frontman Sonny Sandoval said he accepts that most fans initially embrace his band because of its aggressive thrash rap sound. But he and his bandmates, all devout Christians, also hope to bring their listeners into the fold. At the same time that they're saying, man, I like these guys, I like their music, it opens up a little door for me to tell them what I believe in, Sandoval said from a recent tour stop in Georgia. It's up to them to accept it. Whether they like it, whether they hate me or what, it's completely up to them. Um, I think people hated you probably for that. I, w- I wouldn't like it. Okay. Now these two articles, uh, two of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, these are from the, uh, so I was just looking, I was desperately looking for POD shit, uh, because there was just nothing. And then I found on the website, uh, EAEC.org, which stands for European American Evangelistic Crusades. Uh, there are four total articles, but I think two of them are funnier than the other two. So they are written by Terry Watkins, and the articles are titled POD's Confusing Christianity and POD and the Works of Darkness. Uh, and these are, I would say, Confusing Christianity is probably about 5,000 words. The Works of Darkness is probably about 10,000 words about how POD are not Christian, actually. Um, so, Brian, do you want to kick us off? Because, uh, yeah, these are totally insane. Uh, yeah, I can do that. Uh, let me see here. I like this part. Um one of the most blasphemous anti-Christian rockers to ever crawl out from under the quote rock like that quote rock is Marilyn Manson. When Manson, an ordained satanic priest whose self-professed ambition is to destroy Christianity, puts together a compilation album of Satanism, blasphemy, vulgarity, and perversion for the book movie Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Guess what? Manson chooses Christian Rockers, P.O.D., and Project 86. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 was the product of Manson's record company, Post Human. Manson himself was the executive producer. Manson, who has had a vicious hatred for Christianity and the Lord Jesus Christ, chooses two Christian Rockers, as the old timers say, that dog ain't gonna hunt. So, (laughs) Do they say that? (laughs) No, they don't. It says that That dog dog ain't gonna hunt. That dog ain't gonna hunt. Uh, I would say that he probably had very little to do with choosing the uh, bands on the album and that like these sorts of things are for um, that, that like bands, these sorts of things are just decided. And to be, I don't think Marilyn Manson had much to do with choosing POD. And if he did, it's funny to do. It's like he was just doing it to be funny. And then I love this. The song Suicide is Painless that Manson sings. Now, they play they put some lyrics and there's some pretty hardcore lyrics. He didn't write that song. That was the original theme song to the TV show MASH is uh, Suicide is Painless. So that's not even a, his song. And it would take two seconds to Google that to find <laughs> out who wrote that song. Yeah, the song really Arc good. Arsenal by At the Drive-In, Sing of Cannibalism. Have you ever tasted skin? Uh, <laughs> the Book of... Jesus Christ. Oh, the it's Book really Shadows, good. Have you ever tasted skin is of cannibalism? What if it's just sex? Kissing. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, if you guys listen to Omar and Cedric's lyrics, 
Uh, I would say that none of them make any sense. You are really reading more into it than what they would have read into it, you know? 100%. 100%. Yeah, this is really... So this one is from the POD and the Works of Darkness, where basically this uh, Terry guy is arguing that because they're around these bands, they can't be Christian. Uh, I love this. Like, what about the Christian young people that buy the Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 because their favorite Christian bands, POD and Project 86, are on it? And their mind is infiltrated with satanic, filthy lyrics that, according to Godhead, whose purpose is to entice people into sin. And they even admit they are, quote, assuming the role of the devil. And don't tell me Christian young people don't purchase these satanic secular records because they do. I've talked to many that think it's cool that P.O.D. is on the album. And Christians say to me, wouldn't you want your kids listening to P.O.D. rather than Marilyn Manson? Hey, there's not much difference. In fact, you can get them both on the Book of Shadows CD. Birds of a feather flock together. I don't think P.O.D. and Marilyn Manson have a lot in common. At all. At all. P.O.D. also appears on MTV's The Return of the Rock. The CD cover displays a devil red, half-naked, see-through blouse, devil girl, complete with horns and satanic tail. We blacked out part of the blouse to make it presentable. So they, they... put a picture of it the title the return of the rock is an obvious blasphemous takeoff on the return of the rock the lord jesus christ now i don't know about that because i don't think anybody knows that there's a return of the rock jesus christ thing if that makes sense you know yeah no i've never heard of it i've never heard of it no i don't know what it is unless it's like they're talking about the rock when he pushes the rock out of the way when Jesus or whatever on Easter, I don't know. I don't know anything about religion. It's just, I, I, I guess it's just, uh, just a guess. And another interview, Sonny describes his teenage years as, which mostly consisted of smoking a lot of pot and hanging around a less than savory crowd. We smoked a lot of weed, you know. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, Sonny says his pot smoking days were the best times and doesn't regret any of it. Those were the best times. And I don't regret any of it because we had some fun, Sonny. Uh, said Sonny, what kind of testimony is that to the Christian youth? I don't regret smoking a lot of pot, and those were the best of times. Does that not encourage our young people to smoke pot? Hey, Sonny of P.O. <laughs> smoking pot. It's the best of times. Okay. All right. Oh, the follow-up line to that is great, too. I don't know what happened to Sonny when he supposedly got saved, but my friend, I can tell you the best of times I've had by far are the years I've known my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I guess I get that. I actually get that. He's right. Yeah, and before I got saved, I smoked a lot of dope, and I regret every minute of it. Okay, come on. Really good. He regrets every minute. weed. Trey of P.O.D. and the F word in Guitar Magazine. An article in Guitar World quotes Trey of P.O.D. using the F word while commenting on rock star Ika Mouse's height. Trey says he's fucking huge, like seven feet. Uh, In a ShoutWeb.com interview, Trey says of the above quote, there was also something printed and it was a misquote. It was something about Eka Mouse and him using the F word, but it was totally a misquote. I never said that. Um, 
So, sure enough, the January edition of Guitar World contained a retraction that Trey did not actually say the F word. Here's what the Guitar World wrote concerning Trey and the F word. In reviewing his tape of the interview, writer Alan DePerna realized that Trey did not use the F word. He and the staff of Guitar World apologized for the error for any inconvenience it may have caused. How do you misquote fucking? What other word could he have been misquoted for, for fucking? We were curious. What did Trey actually say? So we emailed the editor of Guitar World and asked, what did Trey actually say? Here's a short reply. Friggin' or frickin'. You know what frickin' or friggin' means? It's the F word. It's the same thing. Here's the definition from several slang dictionaries. Oh so God. perfect. So fucking funny. I love it. I uh, I wanted to go back to the Blair Witch one uh, just because Sonny has a very funny quote in this too. Sonny of P.O.D. gives his reason for appearing on the Blair Witch album. Now get this spiritual wisdom. Quote, a lot of times people don't agree with what we do. Why are you on the Blair Witch soundtrack? He, Sonny, interrupts himself, mimicking a disappointed inquisitor. Dude, they asked us to put our song with their music. That's like the devil coming up to the church and asking if he can put one of their praise songs on his soundtrack. Why would the church say no? Which, that is a colossally dumb guy thing to say. Uh, Like, very, very... So, like, I give this guy credit because that is a really stupid thing for Sonny to say. But then the follow-up is amazing. Not hardly, Sonny. For one thing, there is no praise to God in P.O.D.'s song. Nowhere. And another thing. The devil is not about to come up to the church and ask if he can put one of the church's praise songs on his soundtrack. The devil and Manson, the director of the Blair Witch album, hate God, hate the Lord Jesus Christ, and oppose anything and everything that lifts up and praises the Lord Jesus Christ. That was so he put this song on the album. (laughs) It's just like that's obvious. The devil doesn't have a soundtrack. You don't I need to literally respond. You don't need to literally respond. Uh, the devil would never put a church song on his soundtrack, actually. So it's a good point, though. The devil probably wouldn't put a church song. So it seems like these guys didn't sing enough about Jesus. This thing is so long, uh, but it's so like it's literally 10,000 words. The link will be in the thing. You gotta read the whole thing. It's so good. It's so fucking good. Yeah, there's POD promotes and praises satanic secular groups, and this is very funny as well. Here's POD's picks for the top albums of 1999. Number one, Santana, Supernatural. <laughs> Number That's two, scary. Shooty's Groove, High Definition. <laughs> Number three, Stained, Dysfunction. Number four, Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile. Number five, Incubus, Make Yourself. Number six, Jamiroquai, Synchronized. Number seven, Three Eye Sound System. Number eight, Buena Vista Social Club, Buena Vista Social Club. Not a Christian in the bunch. Most of these bands are anti-Christian, wicked, filthy, and ungodly groups. Why are Christians such as P.O.D. even listening to such filth and wickedness, much less being their top picks for 1999? And then he like breaks down all of those bands. It's super, super funny. Um, And then I really liked the... uh, So yeah, there's a bunch of different sections telling you like what pod has done like oh they were on Ozfest, which is stupid uh they like Jimi hendrix who they shouldn't be praising blah 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 but i think my favorite one that comes out of nowhere to me is uh pod and calvin klein uh which is a whole section about how they're mad 
that POD were wearing Calvin Klein clothes. Uh, and they ha- and they headlined the Calvin Klein Ignite Tour. So this guy's going on about how Calvin Klein has built a $2 billion a year empire. Calvin Klein's suggestive ads are splattered with blatant, lustful, homoerotic images. From Ooh. the evocative Brooke Shields ads, you know what comes between me and my Calvins, raunchy rapper Marky Mark and underwear queen Kate Moss, Calvin Klein has pumped youthful lusts into the living room. Klein's ads have been described as kitty porn and teenage tantalizers. And then he goes on about how the ads are also gay and uh, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, it was and then it just switches to and guess who headlined the Calvin Klein Ignite tour? You guessed it. Christian's P.O.D. I'm reminded of the heartbroken cry of Ezekiel when Israel disobeyed the clear teachings of the word of God and put no difference between the holy and the profane. And the Lord said of P.O.D., uh, I mean, Israel, I am profaned among them. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths. And I am profaned among them. Ezekiel twenty two thirty six. Oh, where are the brokenhearted Ezekiels of today? Won't we, uh, sorry, won't, why aren't we crying aloud when we see our holy God so profaned among much of Christian music? Calvin Klein's name for the tour is not without biblical significance. The Calvin Klein Ignite Tour. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that is which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Uh, So yeah, the Calvin Klein Ignite Tour, gay. That's a gay name uh, for a tour. Very gay tour, yeah. You don't want to be an ignited gay tour, yeah. So yeah, and then this this other one, I just have like one part from the beginning. Uh, it's this is the other article is called PODs confusing Christianity, and it starts off with PODs definition of Christianity is confusing at best. For instance, what did "wove" of POD mean in Rolling Stone magazine when asked about Dr. Dobson's response to PODs touring with corn? Question, you were recently criticized by Christian radio talk show host Dr. Dobson for forsaking your religious beliefs by touring with Ozfest and Corn. Love. We respect the man, but he never had a conversation with us. Just because POD are a spiritual band doesn't mean we adhere to any one religion and all kinds of people want to use us as a symbol for their thing. There's a thousand different definitions of what a Christian is, but we don't feel like there are any lines. Love says clearly POD does not adhere to any one religion. Does that include Jesus Christ and Christianity? That's right out of the horse's mouth, as they say. Now, Christian young people, pastors, youth workers, parents, Christian magazines, what are you going to do with that remark? According to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is only one way to heaven. Wav makes the unbelievable statement, there's a thousand different definitions of what Christian is, but we don't feel like there are any lines. There is a line. It's a million miles wide, and that line is the Lord Jesus Christ. Beautiful, beautiful. I do love that line. I don't ever understand what they're talking about when you get way into the Christianity stuff. I like, I just, I never understand anything they're saying. Well, and I think you and I were kind of texting about this too. Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if either of us thought we'd be sort of like siding with POD, but like, that's gotta be sort of an exhausting way to be in a band that you're like, like you have these beliefs that it's important to you 
to share these beliefs with other people who may not have these beliefs, but then people who do share those beliefs with you are constantly criticizing you and telling you you're not like good enough at your beliefs. Like it's very odd to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, uh, it is a very strange, like, uh, it, it is, it is very difficult to deal with when, you know, I get it. You know what I mean? Like that, that maybe if, you know, I've said this about street fight was like, at times it was very, uh, uh, difficult to, to kind of do the show because so many people would sort of doubt your, your dedication to whatever the movements are and like shit like that. And it was like, uh, I, I don't know, man, it was just, uh, it was just very difficult to like do that. And it burned me out. I've said it a few times, like the whole thing kind of burned me out. And, uh, that's what ended up like that. That's what ended up like when the end happened, that was like kind of what ended up, uh, uh, doing it was that I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with, you know, being scrutinized that much. You know, I just, that's why the new show is just like, I'm just goofing around you know so for sure i don't know well yeah and it's like i would think in a lot of ways like you sort of suggested you'd revolt against that right like you'd be like fine you don't think i'm a christian good i'm not a christian fuck you leave me alone i'm not a christian our band actually worships the devil so shut the fuck up like you know like that's the part that i don't get is there's sort of and this is obviously not to say that every christian shares views with this guy who's written literally thousands of words strictly about pod but it is just strange to be to think like that pod would be a net negative on christianity that you have this like wildly popular band that in basically every interview you ever see is asked about their faith and they respond positively about their faith i just don't know how you could ever see that as like a a net negative if you're like a devout christian it just that that part of it is really lost on me i think yeah yeah for sure i'm with you on that i i like i said i it burned me the fuck out i don't know how they're not burned out and just as like i'm just satanic now because that that is exactly where i would be totally totally i agree um okay well let's get to the tweet defense uh this is how we review the album if this is your first time listening to the show uh it's just uh, a very silly way to give an overall score to the album if someone was to tweet at us sorry, zeet at us and uh, say that, uh, you know, fundamental elements of Southtown sucks. How many tweets would we do in defense of the album? Brian, we'll start with you. How many are, what's your score here? Um, like, like, and this is on a one to 10 thing now is what I'm going with this. Okay. One. Okay. Sure. So we'll give it a, a six. It's better than average is what I would say. <laughs> Nice. Nice. Okay. I, I, it's probably a three for me. I think, uh, you know, Southtown, very strong song. Uh, P and I'm not on the 10 point scale, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I've adhered to my own scale the whole show. Oh, I would so, never, I would so never if you've, adhere to the So scale. if you've listened to the show, you'll understand where three fits in. That's also sort of like an above average score for me. Um, but yeah, three, maybe even four, like there's some really good songs on here. I was shocked at how good the U2 cover was. I was actually talking about that on the stereo gum discord, uh, last night with a few people who are all sort of like, yeah, it is kind of fucked up 
like how good that cover is. Like it's a weird, it's a, yeah, it's, it's weirdly good. Um, and, and cause I don't think of POD as like a very musically strong band. Like I don't, I don't listen to POD and I think the instrumentals are particularly good or interesting. So it's interesting that they were able to write such a proficient cover, but anyway, very solid. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'm going to change it to four. I'll, I'll give it a four. Uh, very solid. Go. Yeah, very you solid effort. into a four. Fundamental elements of Southtown. And I'm more of a POD apologist than most. I think I still really like Satellite as well, or a lot of Satellite anyway. So there you go. Uh, that's your score. Uh, before we get to the conclusion of the program, just a reminder that you can uh, donate to the show. If you like the show, you love this free episode every month, we do three bonus episodes behind a paywall. It's just $4 a month. You get one full-length bonus episode, and then we cover two singles, two metal songs. Um, And yeah, you can also donate to tell us what album to listen to, what songs to listen to. Uh, That's all over there. $4 a month, you get all three. We also have a new bonus tier, a $7 tier, where you will get video of uh, of all of the episodes that we've done or that we are about to do. We obviously can't go back and do video for episodes we've already recorded, although difficult. maybe with the possibility of AI, uh, you know, we'll be able to go and do that. But yeah, you'll get a video of every episode we've ever done. We're also going to do an exclusive poll once a year that you'll only be able to vote in if you're at the $7 tier. You also get extended merch discounts. Uh, we have a Discord as well. You get in at any donation level with that. So yeah, there's lots of fun stuff uh, to check out there. Last Last month, we had Josh Gondelman join the show for the first time. We reviewed the Heavy Metal 2000 original soundtrack. Super fun to have Josh on the show. And yeah, we've got tons of bonus episodes, lots of really fun guests. And like we said, the brand new tier with videos and a bunch of other fun stuff. So yeah, check that out. It's patreon.com slash the POD cast. It's cast with a K like the band Corn. Okay, Brian, we are here at the challenge uh, every month we give ourselves a challenge based on uh, something we discussed to do with the album. And I will say, uh, Brian, I'm thrilled. I finally got back in the winning column. You had won four months in a row. But last month we were supposed to rewrite some kind of monster uh, to be about something else. The Metallica song. You wrote it about podcasting. I wrote it about new metal singers. And I picked up the W, so I now have 22 wins, you have 23 wins, and we have two ties. Uh, So this month, uh, Brian, you came up with this month's challenge, so you can explain it. Oh, I just, it's an easy one. I mean, they they had a uh, album, a lot of this album was based on, they had the Psalm 150 song, which is an excerpt from the Bible. So I said, what sacred text would you do your album on and uh i decided for me that i'm gonna go with a book i read relatively recently that i thought was very good and that is mox the story of john (laughs) (laughs) that's a sacred text for you Uh, it it very much is it's either that or private parts by howard stern but i'm gonna go with mox (laughs) and what is the song about just how mox is cool just how cool he is yeah like just a cool guy that bleeds all over the place and stuff you know that's about that's about it it, you know well i went with i went in an actual sacred text direction and i figured you know we talk a lot about uh well not a lot but uh a, a theme that comes up on the show occasionally that is sort of satan adjacent is the uh religion of wicca 
And so I thought that I would, uh, you know, cause I'm trying to make a new metal album here. I would do one based on the book of shadows, which is apparently the, uh, the Wiccan sort of Bible. And in particular, uh, there's this one section of the Wikipedia page. That's very funny to me. Uh, so apparently the father of Wicca is this guy named Gerald Gardner. And he first introduced the book of shadows to people that he had initiated into Wicca through his Brickett wood coven in the 1950s. And then they decided that uh, this this lady, Doreen Valiente, joined uh, the Brickett Wood Coven and soon rose to high priestess. And she noticed that a lot of the Book of Shadows was actually not taken from ancient sources, as Gardner had claimed, but a bunch of it was taken from Aleister Crowley. Uh, the gospel of witches and from Freemasons. And in one section, he literally uh, rewrote or sorry, didn't rewrite. He just copy and pasted a Rudyard Kipling poem that was meant for children in the, (laughs) into the book of shadows, which is extremely funny to me. And uh, it says, yeah, Valiente also noticed that a chant in one ritual in the book was based upon the poem, a tree song from puck of pooks Hill by Rudyard Kipling, which she had enjoyed as a child. And the eight lines are exactly the final stanza of a tree song. So these are the eight lines I'm basing my song on. Oh, do not tell the priest our plight, or he would call it sin. But we have been in the woods all night, a conjuring summer in. And we bring you news by word of mouth, good news for cattle and corn. Now is the sun come up from the south with oak and ash and thorn. And it is very funny to me that in the Wiccan Book of Shadows... There's a poem that is clearly for children that they have co-opted into being like evil. Oh, I would love for you to uh, t- say that to fucking Sully's face. <laughs> I can't do it. I won't. I'm, I'm worried that Sully will beat the shit out of me. Uh, so there you go. There you have it. That is the challenge. You'll be able to vote on who won the challenge over on our Twitter. Twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. Cast with a K like the band corn. The other thing you can vote on on our Twitter is the poll. Again, if it's your first time listening to the show, Brian and I will nominate two albums each for the poll. And then it is up to you, the listener to decide which pardon me, my goodness, which of the four albums we should cover next month. Uh, And that's only on our Twitter. So make sure you're following us over there, at least while the site is still active. Uh, Brian, what two albums are you putting up this month? I'm going to do head PE so we can check to see that they're self-titled so we can check to see if maybe they're better rappers. Okay. POD and yep. stained dysfunction. Ooh. So those are my two. Those are my it's two. Gonna, it's going to be a heavy month. I was, ta- I was talking to Brian about this before we recorded. So next month's episode will be episode 49. And then for episode 50, we're going to do something a little special. We're not going to be covering an album on episode 50. So I thought episode 49 is sort of like the de facto episode 50. So we've got to get two big albums in the poll for episode 49. So I will be nominating for the first time ever. Limp Biscuit, $3 bill, y'all. Has never been in a, in a poll before. We'll see how well it does. We haven't covered Limp Biscuit in two years. So I figured it's about time. Another band we haven't covered in almost four years. We have not covered them since the, I believe, third episode ever of the show. I will also be nominating Linkin Park, Meteora. So all right. That's a heavy, a heavy hitters boys. Yep. Head PE, stained, limp biscuit, Lincoln Park will be available to vote on next month. So again, follow us on Twitter, the POD underscore cast. 
with a K. The polls usually go up around the 20th of the month, so pay attention to that. And then also, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the podcast. Three bonus episodes every month for only $4. It's one of the best deals in podcasting. We would love and appreciate your support. And we love and appreciate you for listening to this episode. Thanks for tuning in with us. We'll see you back here next month. Goodbye. Bye-bye.